Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You're listening to the award-winning podcast, The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, featuring business leaders to help you navigate a constantly changing marketplace. Want to become known as a trusted authority while building a thriving business you love? The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will show you how. Here's your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show brought to you by the Influence Alliance, the business building community for change makers. Yes, I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says your future is created by what you do today. And joining me on today's show is Jeff Hunter. Jeff helps entrepreneurs and startups build and scale remote teams so that they can dominate their category. Jeff is the creator of the core branding method. He's the founder of VA Staffer, a 90 plus virtual assistant and marketing agency. And he's also the host of the Savage Marketer podcast. Now on today's show, he's going to share some tips and insights around branding and marketing, but we're going to dive into a whole lot more around remote work and getting a core team behind you. So welcome to the show, Jeff. Wow, Anne-Marie, thank you for having me. And I want to make a correction because it probably was sent to you a month ago, but now our team as of today is 109 people. Wow. Wow. There you go. Fantastic. And you said before we actually went live that uh, your business itself is just my goodness, I think you said doubled, doubled because yeah. of everything that you've had and put into to place. You know, um, I almost I almost feel guilty saying it, but COVID-19 has been a blessing for this business. Um, it's forced people to look at their work structure remotely, yeah. virtually. I have been building virtual teams before virtual teams were cool. Um, you know, I, I'm a contributor for entrepreneur.com and I write about scaling and building virtual teams. So when COVID-19 hit and a lot of businesses were forced to move to remote workplaces, build out virtual teams, it was definitely something that I, I was personally reached out to by, you know, huge organizations to come in and help do trainings for their people. So it's been, it's been very interesting. Right time, right place, right person. Yeah. Well, if you, it's funny because I know a lot of people that have done extremely well in life. And if you ask them what was the biggest thing that really, you know, took you to the next level, a lot of them will just say timing, you know, just being at the right place at the right time. I love that. And, uh, you know, what we said before we started uh, the live stream, uh, I mean, you have obviously a team that supports in marketing. You also uh, are able to share insights in branding. We're going to get you to share one one main insight on branding, one main insight on marketing, and then we're really going to dive into remote work because, uh, you know, one of the things, and I just had a conversation with a previous guest that 
and, and even the guests prior to that today. And so it's a bit of a theme here that so many business owners, well, number one, we don't create a business. We're actually creating a job for ourselves. And if we step away from the, the day-to-day operations of, of the, you know, the entity that we've created, if the business cannot continue without you, you've created a job. Mm. And what you need is the right team, the right support behind you, which is, of course, your area of expertise. And that's why I think well, let's spend some time around that because it's a good to know, but then it's like, well, Anne-Marie, who do you know? Well, guess what? Now we know Jeff and he was <laughs> going to some of these things. So what's your top tip on branding, particularly now that there's so many more businesses who are online sharing their message? What would be your top tip around branding? You know, it's funny. I, I've always been really go hard about building a personal brand online. And it's important for every business too. But I think at the end of the day, you know, people want to do business with people. You know, for me personally, I've never interacted with a Facebook page, you know, like I, I interact with people. But um, I, I find that a lot of people, uh, you know, they want people to take them seriously, but they don't take themselves seriously. So how can you expect amazing results, you're doing the same thing as everyone else. So I would just say my one tip on branding, which is actually the same tip that I would give on marketing is to do things a little bit different, you know, like take it to the next level. Like, for example, I'm sitting here, right? I got my Starbucks on my desk. I'll move my camera, (laughs) but I've got my cool computer right here on my desk. See that? My goodness. Right. And yeah, I got my trusted, <laughs> my trusted. See, there you are, right there. Um, and, and I got my background back here. You know, I'm branded the Savage Marketer here, and and this and people remember that. You know, people remember that. And and I I like to use the words of Benjamin Franklin. I think he said this um, perfectly. And this was hundreds of years ago, right? That you know, you either have to do something worth writing about or you have to actually oh i gotta flip that around you're you're supposed to write something worth reading or do something worth reading about that's what he said so stand out do something different and uh, you know put a little savage in your life yeah and what i love about what you've done i mean you you know you've got the background and, and just really impressive and as you speak your personal brand resonates at that level you know, sometimes people will try and do things as part of that their personal brand, but it doesn't really resonate with who they are. It's like when I often see people using these big, bold, controversial words, and then they're talking in really meek, soft voices, which is fine. And so you've got to resonate that way with what really fits the style and what you, you can bring. What's really important about that, what you've just said too, is having such clarity around that because the team that gets behind you is going to support you in continuing to to bring forward that consistent message. And if you're not on the same page uh, and, and if the business owner, you know, is the CEO, is the leader of the business, if you're not clear on, well, what is my brand? What's the experience that I want to create across different platforms? It's going to be very hard for us to, to filter that down, to communicate that to our team. Would you say when you're thinking about remote uh, remote workers, let's talk about some of the, the challenges that you see uh, that business owners are not aware of when it comes to bringing on board remote teams that actually stops them from really creating a good experience for them and their team? What are some of the the mistakes you see? (sighs) You know, the very first thing that I would say is that they treat remote workers like employees. That's a huge, huge problem because 
when people are in the office, and by the way, what I'm about to say is the same thing for someone who works in an office, then they work behind a computer in their pajamas at home, right? Is that you need to have results from people. You have to be able to measure performance of people. And a lot of times, this is the biggest struggle that, that I've been able to, this has been my job security the past year, is that a lot of companies don't know how to get results and measure performance from people working from home because they have an office and then, you know, they have a water fountain that people go and talk about. And, you know, it's just they're measured differently. So, you know, you, you have to put some safeguards as a business owner. You have to put some safeguards in place to protect your investment. You know, you're investing in people, right? Like they're an asset. Um, for me personally, the reason I have 109 people on my team is because they are an ever-growing, ever-growing value. They're an appreciating asset, unlike a car or this computer that's going to go down in price over time or whatever else. The more I invest in my people, the more value they're going to be able to produce and create, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of companies don't have systems in place to have really strong performance metrics that can actually take that. I personally, I used to have an office, by the way. When I first started my company, I have an outsourcing company. Well, I hate the word outsourcing. Yeah. I'm gonna call it a staffing company um, in the Philippines. And I, have an, I used to have an office in Makati City, which is like the Silicon Valley of the Philippines. And I, I leased that from 2014 to January of 2019. And I will tell you right now with 100% certainty that I get better results from my remote team than, than any of those years in an office. Wow. Let's talk about some of those things. I mean, I know we can only scratch the surface and I'm, you know, going to share later uh, or have you share how people can get in contact with you. But I think, you know, again, when we look at onboarding people, the things that we do as business owners and have in place is going to facilitate the success of that. So you're talking about some of those frameworks, systems and processes are so important. What do they look like? Because, you know, what some system, I'm going to rip a piece of paper out of my book here with my scribbles here's what you need to do go ahead here's what you know what we want you to do i mean there's that to some really over complicated documented processes and policies what do you say works really well when it comes to that framework well it's a good old american saying kiss keep it simple stupid right <laughs> or in my case keep it stupid simple you know um i like to keep things simple and it's it's very very interesting how people try to convolute and make things very difficult. Training and onboarding someone can be as simple as hopping on a Zoom call and sharing your screen and hitting the record button, right? And yes. just showing them what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Yeah. And and by the way, you got to have some sort of a project management tool. So here, here's the basics. There's really like four things that are super important. The first thing is going to be your communication plan. How do you communicate amongst your team? Is it email? Is it WhatsApp? Is it Facebook Messenger? We use an app called Discord, which used to be a gaming communication tool. But we used to use Slack. And Slack was like, if I wanted to have the good features, it was like $5 a person. Well, when you have a team of 110 people, that gets very expensive. So we moved to Discord, which is free and actually has a lot of the same features, if not more, than Slack does. That's why I heard there's probably a $10 billion acquisition um, coming up from Microsoft. We'll see. But yeah. 
that's another topic. But the point is, you got to have your communication plan. Okay. Yes. The second thing is, how do you collaborate? Okay. There's one thing to communicate. There's another thing to collaborate. Collaboration tool. Are you using Asana? We use Active Collab, some sort of project management tool, software. Some people use Trello. Um, if you have a small team, Trello works. Um, but I have a very large team, so I have to have multiple multiple, you know, I have project managers that have their own teams and I have squad yeah. leaders underneath this, underneath the project managers. <laughs> yeah. The, the, by the way, these are all growing pains I've learned because I had 40 people last year. Now I have a hundred, now I have 109. So, <laughs> um, I, I have learned very quickly. So you yeah. first have your communication, then you have your collaboration. The third thing that's super vital and important is setting expectations. You have to be able to set expectations. What is your role as the CEO? What is your role as a project manager? What is your role as an executive assistant? What is your role as a graphic designer? What is your role as whatever it is? And you have to have clearly defined roles, okay? Now, I also live a little bit by the motto of two amazing people, one Elon Musk, right? Um, Elon Musk, he doesn't want to have a bunch of walls and barriers in between his business. There are people at the bottom that can email Elon Musk, right? If there's an issue, Elon will answer his emails, right? So, but on the other side of that, then you have Richard Branson, Sir Richard Branson, who believes that if you have a team that's too big to feed with two pizzas, it's too big. Yeah. You, so that's about 10 to 12 people about. That's where I keep my teams. So I divide my whole business into these teams of 10 to 12 people. Right. Yeah. There might be one that has like 15. There might be one. Yeah. Um, so that's those are the three things right there. And the very last thing that you have to really worry about is culture. That's your job as a CEO. That's your job as a business owner is the culture. And by the way, we I just spoke earlier about my branding and marketing tips. Do things a little bit different. Do things savage. As a CEO, you get to make the rules. I just announced on Friday of last week that I'm starting a whole new, I call it a baby bonus, because I found out there's like three people on my team pregnant. And one of them came to me and told me that she was really worried to tell me. She was like afraid to tell me that she was pregnant and that she was like seven months pregnant because she was in fear of losing her job. And I was actually like, I actually teared up a little bit. I, I was like, wow, maybe she thinks that I'm like that evil guy or something. And right then and there, I took action and I created what I call the baby bonus. So you get a paid two weeks off, right? And because they're not employees, I don't treat them like employees. I call it a baby bonus. It's, hey, don't worry about work. Here's a bonus, congratulations right? Don't worry about a thing. And by the way, I wanted to do something even more savage. So I said, you know what? Same thing goes for men. Any men on the team, if you have a baby with your partner, I'm giving you a baby bonus too. And you have two weeks to leave, right? So this is the culture that we get to create. We get to, we get to create amazing things and see, I'm one of those people that believe that you got to use capitalism for good. You got to use your business to create amazing things and amazing wealth. And if we're all working together towards a goal and we have true, truly good intentions, everybody wins. I mean, just those examples alone, you're seeding into your business, aren't you, through supporting your team. I can imagine what incredible um, gratitude 
that your team has for that. And it just, you know, to them, it's not just a job, but it really is a community, a caring community that uh, does care about them. And I think in those situations, people just work far better, don't they? Because they know that they're not a number. They know that they're respected. They're valued members of that community that you've built, which just happens to be a Something you said right there is so key because I actually, and I wish people well, you know, sometimes people come and go through your business, right? And we've all experienced it. But the cool part about doing things that are different is that it's also great marketing. It's not only great marketing externally, but it's great marketing internally for your own teams. Everything's marketing. Everything is about persuasion, right? I want to persuade people to work here forever. I want to employ people. I would love. I, I've had a. I have someone on my team who's worked for me for seven years. We've gone through two kids. Her name's Rodora. She's she was my assistant back seven years ago. Today she's my operations manager. Right. She does payroll operations manager. She even helps over oversee some of our web projects. She's just amazing. And you know the thing that that really blows my mind is that. You, you should reinforce, like, the hardest thing to do is to lose a good person. It's one of the hardest things to do. And I've had that happen. And I don't want that to happen. So instead of always worrying about hiring good new people, like, keep the same ones you've got. It's just like getting new clients. Everyone's worried about getting new clients. You know, if you just just really treated the ones you've got really good, they'll stay forever and they'll tell other people about you. Yeah. Also, too, something in that which uh, I'm sure you've heard maybe some of the clients have have said, but I know that I've heard this from many leaders and, and managers across different industries and businesses. Often when they're complaining about their team members, look at yourself first as the leader and especially in business. What are you doing that is preventing that team member by operating to their best of their abilities? Do you have the right systems and processes in place? Do you have the right support? Are they, um, you know, are they encouraged to step forward and share, give feedback on on what they need from you to enable you to do a job better? I, I did a bit of an audit not so long ago. And I realized that who was the biggest bottleneck in the business? It was me because that, and I had to go and apologize. And I do, I say, I'm sorry, um, because I have through not getting something to them, you know, prevented them from getting things on time. And it's, it, it's, and, and as business owners, I think we need to be constantly looking at, well, how can we make the environment better, how can we support them in being more productive? Would you say that that is often an issue with leaders? They look at, well, this they're not doing this and they're not doing that rather than kind of looking internally and asking well, them like. You know what? You hit you hit the nail on the head, not to sound cliche, but, but it's so interesting. It took me so long for myself to admit. It's kind of like, it's kind of like Alcoholics Anonymous, right? Like the first part of. <laughs> the first part of solving the problem is identifying that you have a problem, right? And usually that problem is you. You know, one of the things that that I've learned over the years, and you know, I, I just had I just had someone on my team quit just three weeks ago, and it was a huge shock to me. And you know, like I, I always reflect and say, well, it's very easy to point fingers and say, wow, that person was unethical. They quit without notice, whatever else. But then you have to look back at yourself and say, well, why did that person quit? You know, was it money? Was it respect? Was it resentment? 
And I use all of those opportunities to learn and grow. And I think that, you know, I, I tell my team this, by the way, I tell my project managers, I've told everyone on my team this many times that I'm not the most qualified person to be the CEO of my company. I'm just the crazy bastard that started it, you know, and I'm always open for suggestions. As a matter of fact, um, we had a falling out. Uh, like I said, three weeks ago, someone fell, one of my HR recruitment people. And when she left, I felt like I was left with this huge gaping hole because basically our whole recruitment and hiring process froze. And then we started looking into it a little bit deeper. And I realized that we didn't really have a process. We had a person doing everything. And she probably felt that way. Yeah. So I made a huge commitment to sitting down with my team for two weeks. And, you know, I'm so fortunate that I, you know, I have someone on my team who she used to be the, the, the recruiter and trainer in the Philippines for both Shopify and Canva.com. So she's probably overqualified to work here, but she was like, Hey, I have some really great ideas for this. And I'm like, tell me next thing, you know, we come up with a schedule for the training plan. We have an automated application process. We have stuff that we, we showed our, our project management team and the project managers were like, Oh my gosh, I wish I had this. Right. So it comes back to those four things we were talking about, right? You have to make sure you're collaborating with your team. You've got to make sure you have strong communication. Um, but, but the thing, the culture is so important because see, if I was ready to have a pity party for myself, cry in bed about one of my, my leaders quit quitting and here my other project managers are like, we got this right. Like let's, let's use this and figure things out. And that's why it's so important. Like what you said earlier, you have to have a really strong team around you. If I can, if I can truly say, you know, I, 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 I know that you probably read my bio. I'm a Fortune 500 project manager in a past life. I used to work for Philips Electronics. And what's really interesting is that the number one thing that you need to learn in any business as a, as a leader isn't a skill at all. Mm. It's actually soft skills. It's not learning a metric or learning a software or learning this or whatever, or learning a certain, you know, like you just have to be able to communicate with people effectively and make them believe that you give a damn. <laughs> Oh, exactly, exactly. Uh, so if you're just joining me on the live stream, uh, I noticed, uh, Rob, you're here. I'm just going to, um, hey, hey, good to see you here, Rob. Hey, Rob. Um, we're just reminding you that we're talking to Jeff Hunter today and uh, Jeff is really the go-to person uh, because he's living it and he's he's done it. But now, of course, he runs a VA staffer company, a hundred and how many? hundred and nine. 109. Fantastic. And we're talking about the things that really you need to have in place to be able to build a business that, that is sustainable and scalable. And one of the key things, of course, is having the right team around you. Something that you meant, mentioned earlier, Jeff, which I'm really interested in, and you're, you're saying that you're following the principle of um, Sir Richard Branson, where he says, if your team is too big, it, it is unmanageable. So have kind of these micro teams, for want of a different phrase, but really the 10 and 12. How does that work? Is that kind of within a project working for clients or what? how does that uh, come about? Is there a way I can share my screen on here? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I'm going to show something really. I'm going to show you guys some really behind the scenes stuff here. Yeah, fantastic. This is stuff that I that I learned, and I'm I'm still kind of mind blown um, that you know it's kind of worked out this way. But I'm going to try uh, I'm going to try sharing my screen here. I, I, can, I hope you guys can see this. This yes. is actually my internal software that we use Discord. It's a chat software, and um, let me see if I can make that a little bigger for you guys. So <clears throat> we actually have like. Every we even our training process, we have shadowing channels where people learn from people actively on our team. That's the, by the way, that's how we fast track our education and training. Is that we have basically non-interruptible workdays. So imagine one of your team members is doing their job like they normally do. The difference is is that they're inside of a channel sharing their screen, so people can pop in and pop out, not bothering that person's workday, and they're able to learn. I was right? going to say, how on earth do you shadow if someone's not looking over your shoulder? So That's, you share the screen. Yeah, so we have we have our whole training process set up. That shadow training is what we call it. And so this is our team members coming in and out. They're telling us, "Hey, look, I'm coming in to do some training, just so we know who's in there." We have our squad leaders. We have our our squad uh, leader names here: squad ones through squad six. Um, they come in here. This is where all the communication of what they've done for the day. It's all about accountability, right? So we can see exactly like here's uh, here's Erin. She says what she's done today. She's checked and responded to emails for 30 minutes. She's done all these different things. We keep our I sell time. So it's very important that we keep track of it. Right. Yes. So these are different ways that we use communication tools. OK, this is one of our communication tools to just make sure that we have accountability. And it's it's very interesting because that's the number one problem that I always go into a business is I always try to find out like, what does results mean for you? And then how can we create accountability around those results? Like those are usually the first two things that are dangling that usually have problems. That There's usually resentment when I first come into a company to help. Um, whether it's built and that's why, you know, I, I built my own team. So I come into companies and I help them build teams and I leverage my staff for them. Like I help place people in their companies. So there's, you know, my team's ready to rock and roll, but it's interesting when people have me come into their companies and start implementing some of these strategies, usually people say, Oh my God, cause they're not used to being held accountable. Right. Yeah. Um, but accountability is very important for everyone, especially remote. Because, see, I grew up in a time, right? I'm almost 40. I'm assuming you're probably a little younger than me. <laughs> but what's what's really interesting here is that you remember the days when, I mean, even last year, in January of last year, if I told somebody that I built virtual teams for companies, they'd be like, whoa, dude, that's so outrageous, man. But today it's like, that's a normal conversation. I have a remote worker, right? When I worked at Phillips, I was a remote project manager. I worked in my home office. And I remember having discussions with my leadership team telling me, when you go to the office, you go to the headquarters, don't tell them that you work from home because they don't treat you the same. Wow. And I was like, wow. The, la the latest article I wrote for Entrepreneur, which is actually my most viral article ever had thousands and thousands of shares is called the stigma of remote work is no more. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly it. 
the stigma is gone and erased. And as a matter of fact, I've learned that you can have a more efficient team working remotely because think about all the time wasted traveling places, doing things, jibber jabbering in the office. It's still important to have social skills, by the way. It's still important to have those communication plans and activities, right? It's still important to build the team and that connection that people have. And you can do that with the right techniques virtually. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you should say that that people kind of look down upon virtual work and now VA is very much, and it has been for a, for a while for those of us who've been using them. I remember when I was in the career industry, I was using a VA. We didn't even call it a VA back then. I can't remember what we called what we called it. But, you know, for me it was just like, why wouldn't I? Because, I mean, I'm an introvert, uh, you know, an extroverted introvert, put a microphone Same. in front of me and I'm fine. You know, and but if, if someone is in there, there can either be two ways. Either I can chat their ear off and, and disrupt them if I'm in that kind of mood or it distracts me, you know. So I love the fact that someone is away and we can connect and use these incredible tools. But what's interesting now, of course, is that we're seeing the benefits and even I think corporations are now seeing the benefits of having some form of work um, structure that for some you know, organisations have got team members that really work so well. There's nothing worse than struggling for a whole hour or more in a car park, which should be the freeway or motorway, depending on where you are, getting to work and then being at your best. Whereas you could have been doing a whole hour's work at your desk and, and be so much, you know, so much more productive. And I'm hoping that... Um, Anne-Marie, you know, that- I'm going to say something that's going to blow people's minds right now. Yeah. The number one thing, when people come to me, remember I talked about accountability, right? We talked about results and accountability as the number one thing that people are the most concerned about. And it's funny because the question, the question that comes up when that happens is, well, I'm afraid that people aren't going to be doing their work remotely. You know, it's really, what's really ironic about that is that the problem that I find is the opposite. The problem that I find is that because people are at home and right next to their office, right at their computer all the time, the biggest problem is actually them not being able to turn it off. It's very important to have an off switch. It's very important to be able to leave the office and separate yourself from the work because if you cannot, you're going to have your team burnt out. I'm much more worried about a team that is working too much and burnt out at home than I am about a team member who isn't working to their fullest extent, especially if you're running results-based because you're going to be able to see it. I'm more worried about the person who's glued to their computer and is at risk of burning out. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Antoinette Blake, she's uh, from Delaware. She says, greetings from Delaware. She's, oh, my, IBM started sending us home. We're from home in 2003, you know, amazing. You know, when I hear a, a leader or a manager say, I'm, I'm afraid that my team won't be productive, I would immediately go back. So what is it about production that, that is so key for you? Because I think it shares more about that leader 
maybe you're a bit of a micromanager, not that we would say that, but it really goes to show that if we don't have the right people in the right, you know, um, environment or the right role, if they're not connected to the vision, if they don't, what you've said, if they don't have the kind of the KPIs or the specifications, this is what a job done really well, the results that we expect. If we measure on those results, we're going to be far more productive as an organisation than the amount of time. I mean, I hope that what this whole period has shown us, that just the amount of time that you spend to work is not going to be, um, you know, what you should measure how productive someone is. Right. And here, right. and here's the other thing. I think you're right. I think most leaders have a hard time being a micromanager. What I've learned is you have to have a balance about knowing what people are doing and having a grasp on the business. There's a very important word here, empowerment. You have to be able to empower your people. You have to be able to set people up and and them have the possibility of failing, right? Yeah. Like you have you have to be there for them to help them when things are going bad, but you need to give them autonomy. You have to give them empowerment. Otherwise, like you opened up the show, you're going to be stuck in a position where you have found yourself not only doing your own job, but also trying to do theirs. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to love this story that uh, I heard when all of this started ha happening. This was in Australia, Melbourne. We were on quite a, a strict lockdown and uh, someone shared that they were in the um, legal field and one of their managers got their team to write down dot, 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 every minute where they were working what they were doing on a spreadsheet, like from where were you working in your house? What were you doing from what one minute to another? And it was like, are you serious? I mean, that that in it, it's just taking it to you, the You know what? That's funny because one of the reasons why I left a job, and it was, by the way, an amazing job and I loved it. I used to be the IT coordinator for a school district. Yeah. It was a dream, actually. Uh, I had my glass cubicle, you know, I called it the fishbowl. Um, I had, you know, the most amazing customers, which were students and teachers and principals, um, the superintendent, of course, and the administrative team. And it was really amazing. I, I was there for four years. I'm pretty sure um, that was probably the longest running position I ever had outside of my project management role at Phillips. But um, I loved it. I was young. I was 26 years old. I did that all the way till I was 30. And towards the end, they wanted to do some, uh, we had this task tracking system of all the things we were supposed to be doing, which worked fine. People put in tech support tickets, I closed them. You know, mm -hmm. that was it. It was very simple. And then I got to do what I needed to do as administrator, as a technology administrator. There's lots of things that you do behind the scenes. It's funny because people don't appreciate the IT guy until things yeah. go wrong, right? They don't know what happens behind the scenes. The backups, the the network maintenance, you know, the the routines that you know mm -hmm. people don't know about. And one day she came to me and she goes, Jeff, I'd like to work on all of our productivity and what we're doing. And um, I'd love for you to just write down what you're doing. Very similar to what you said here with the lawyer uh, example. And I said, that's fine, no problem. Sounds great. And I told her, I said, but I will tell you, if this is ever used to scrutinize what I do, I'm not going to do it. 
And she goes, oh, no, it's not for that. It's just for us to get a good understanding of what everyone's doing so we can optimize our time. We have, you know, some sort of out, out external specialist or whatever, right? In other words, have you ever seen the movie Office Space? Bob yes. and Bob. Remember Bob and Bob? <laughs> so what would you say you do here, right? <laughs> so in other words, I went around. I documented all sorts of stuff and whatever else. And she goes, one day she came up to me. This was a few weeks later. And she came up to me and she brought my little binder of time. She goes, it looks like you spent two hours at the school this day. What were you doing there? And I was like, I'm believing I was upgrading the software and the windows or something, you know, over at, at the, the computer lab at the school or something like that. And she's like, you don't know exactly what you're doing. And I was like, I probably, I mean, I, I answer tickets at all the schools. So usually when I'm there, not only am I there, but then someone's hollering out my name down the hall, Jeff, can you help me? Right. So two hours somewhere is very fast for me, you know? And she's like, Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. It's, it, I could already tell in her tone it was going to that place. And I said, are you scrutinizing me? And she goes, oh, uh, uh, I just need to know. And I said, you're scrutinizing me. I said, your experiment's done. I'm done with this. Yeah. That was my CBO, the chief business officer. I told her, right? I report to her. I told her I was done with it because I set the expectation in the beginning that if it was used to scrutinize me, I was done with it. And by the way, I cried when I told her I was done with it because I felt like I was being like, you know, micromanaged, which sucks. And it's very interesting you say that because I never want to have my team put in that position to where they feel like they're being micromanaged. Um, sometimes it's, it's debatable. It's debilitating. If it yeah. supports and adds value and, and if it's their requirement, like you said, be, one of the reasons why we're monitoring that is because we need to charge that out to a, to a client. So um, Antoinette said, yes, but working from home in her own business for the last eight years has been a million times better. Absolutely. I think we need to be mindful as business owners, you know, is the environment and the process that we are implementing or wanting to implement, is it going to add value to the team? I know for me, if I've got to monitor my time, I won't do it because I don't know if you heard of the Colby A scale, but I, on the follow through, I'll do it for five minutes, but because it becomes a chore in itself and it would block my ability to yeah. work because I'm doing a million things. I mean, I'm a quick start, so I can't focus so on my Here's how you balance that. So I, I do have some very strict accountability guidelines with my own team. And you could even say I'm micromanaging, but I'm not. I would call it micro accountability <laughs> because I don't know. I'm not watching or looking at what they're doing on a day-to-day basis, but I do have tools in place that they, it's basically a time clock that they put on their computer and every 10 or 15 minutes, it just asks them what they're doing. Yes. It just asks them what they're doing. And then they type in what it is. Actually, it's easier than that. There's a drop down, right? Of here's what they're usually doing. And they can edit those fields. Like I'm working for so-and-so I'm doing a report, I'm doing whatever. And that way it, it builds accountability. And mm -hmm. You know, I think that there is, I will tell you this, there is something to be said about people who genuinely don't like to be held accountable to themselves. CEOs are the worst. Yes. CEOs don't want to be held accountable. That's why they're the boss. A lot of the CEOs, you ask them why they became a business owner and you know what they say? One word. You know what it is. Take a guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, freedom, flexibility. Oh, freedom. <laughs> and isn't that ironic that most business owners who start their business to create freedom are usually the ones who created themselves a job 
and are now working 80 hours a week for themselves, making less than they had 40 hours a week for someone else. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, one of the reasons too, and this is, and this is where we've got to find the balance, is one of the reasons why you don't want to be accountable is because you realise that the tasks you're working on are tasks that you really need to outsource, you really need to delegate and get to to a, a, a strong team. What would you say, and I know that we've gone over time, so if you need to go, it's probably um, getting late over My there. My last call here. You got Tell me at, at 5.30. I mean, I got nothing else. Let's do it. <laughs> So one of the things, I mean, the fourth things, and again, we're talking to Jeff Hunter, and he has a 109-person virtual assistant in marketing. 100% virtual team, yep. 100% virtual. And there's four things that he said was really important. Let me repeat them. And by the way, Antoinette says, so true. If you've got a question that you want to ask of Jeff, let me know, and I'll bring that in. But he said that you you need to have a communication plan. So very important. You also need to have a, a way that you can collaborate with your team. And if you have missed it, uh, Jeff actually showed us the screenshot or the screen of of his uh, communication platform, which was on Discord. You said you also need to set expectations. That's so very important. You need to really have a a culture, uh, an important culture. And you break it down, you follow a principle that uh, Sir Richard Branson around having 10 to 12 people, that's a really good sized team. But if someone is just listening or watching or even the recording, Jeff, and they realize, yeah, I'm really the bottleneck. I've created a job for myself, but it's not working really well. Are there indications to look out for to give someone an idea of this really is where you need to get support first? Because I would imagine that there's kind of things that once you get that off your plate or once you get that off your plate, it's going to give you the breathing space to really become the CEO and the leader of the business. Are there some, some insights you can share around that, Jeff? You know, I get asked that question so many times that I actually just created a training. I haven't even, it's not even live yet, but I I promise you, I will get you the link to this, but I'm going to give you guys an overview and it's another four boxes. I call this the freedom plan, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. The freedom plan is square zero. This is where most people are because it's funny. I usually have three lies that people tell me, A, they're too busy, right? They're too busy. They're too busy to be unbusy. Okay. That's a lie. We all know it. Okay. I already shared an example earlier. You can turn on your screen sharing app, record it. That's documenting a process right there. Even before you hire someone or whatever, you can start documenting your processes by just doing what you normally do. You've got to do it. No one's doing it for you. Record it and then explain what you're doing. Okay. So you're going to separate your life into four boxes. The first one is repetitive. What are the repetitive things that you're doing every day that are probably not the most valuable use of your time? A great example of that for me is email. So I have an assistant, her name's Isabel, and she wakes up and logs into work one hour before I wake up, before I even wake up. Not work, wake up. She's one hour before I wake up. She knows exactly when my alarm goes off and she makes sure she's one hour before this. And here's why. I don't know about you guys, but I get notification anxiety. First thing I do when I wake up, I want to reach over for my phone. The alarm's going off. I turn the alarm off on the phone. Guess what happens? I look at my phone. I'm in notification hell. I got 100 emails. I got Facebook chats. I got LinkedIn messages. I got all sorts of stuff going on here. So she logs in one hour before I wake up, and she goes through it all. So that when I wake up, all I have to do is look at Discord, and she tells me, 
hey, here's the two or three things that are urgent and need your attention. Just that alone, think of the stress of going through 150 emails and one of them is probably important, right? So she she does that for me. That's just that's just one of the repetitive things, right? There's sending out email invites and calendars, just like you said, your VA sent me the link to this thing and sent me a questionnaire to fill out before the show. These are things that I call downsourcing, downsourcing, because it's not outsourcing. And I think outsourcing is out of date. Why? Because I, if, if I hire you in Australia to do something for me, Anne-Marie, am I outsourcing? Yeah. Everything's outsourcing. You go down. Do you cut your own hair? No. You outsource it. Yeah. It's called hiring someone else. So I call it downsourcing. Things that are below what I should be really worrying about. It's not my zone of genius. And then we're going to move on to something fun, which is the upsourcing. This is the challenging. What are the challenging things that are probably some, require somebody who maybe has more skill than you? Example, I'm not a very good graphic designer. My graphic designer made this banner. This, my graphic designer made this hat and this shirt, <laughs> right? I suck at graphic design. I upsource that to someone who has more skill than me in a certain area. Doesn't mean that they're more expensive. My graphic designers are in the Philippines. They're definitely not as expensive as me, but they definitely have more talent and skill than me in a certain area. So that's upsourcing. So write a list of all the things that are repetitive you do every day. That's your downsourcing. What are the things that your your funnels, email automation, graphic design, video editing, those things, I'm, I suck at that. So get the challenging stuff. The third column, this is the hard, the one people don't like to admit, this is the neglected column. What are the things that you're not doing because you're either not downsourcing and not upsourcing, or you just haven't got around to it yet? For example, right, maybe you haven't started that podcast right? Maybe you're not connecting to the right people on LinkedIn who can get you to the next level, like Anne-Marie. You should be following Anne-Marie, right? Maybe you're not building the relationships with your clients you should. Maybe you're not, maybe that follow-up sequence after you onboard a client, right? There's all these things that you know you should be doing, but you're just not. Maybe you're just not posting on social media. The last bucket is really important, and there's a reason why I do at the very end, because you've probably circled some of these things by this time. This is the value column. Mm -hmm. Okay, The value column is what is the most valuable use of your time, period. Yeah. Is it is it sales calls? Is it coming on podcasts like this with Anne-Marie? Is it putting yourself out there? Is it going to networking and marketing events now, you know, once COVID's over, right? Yeah. Like. What, what is the number one thing that's valuable for you? Maybe it's having a relationship with your kids. You have kids? Do they see you or are you in the office all day? Right? So that's the priorities. So that's what I call the freedom plan. Okay. Um, like I said, I have a, a kind of a, a plan training that I do for that. It's 18 minutes long. I just recorded it like two weeks ago. I haven't put it up online yet. But if you guys are interested, you can always go to my website. Um, jeffjhunter.com. And I promise in the next probably week, I'll be able to put it up there. But um, I'll, and I'll update you with a link, Anne-Marie, so that people can go to it. But I, it, there's a little form you download, it separates your box into four areas. And it just it gives you kind of like a playbook of like, here's what I'm going to get off my plate first, just so that you can, you know, it's, it's like what I said earlier about Al 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 Alcoholics Anonymous. 
It's yeah. about identifying the problems first, right? That's yeah. And that's why I asked you the question, Jeff, because, you know, so often what we can do is, well, I've been told I'm, I'm going to do what Jeff tells me to do. I need to downsource. I need to upsource. I need to do all these things. Yes, I know. But can you do it in, intentionally with purpose? And I love those four boxes. And, you know, some of those things that, um, you, you know, even in box three that you're not doing, you might realize social media, repurposing some of the things that you are no, it's, it's going to be very, very important, but not necessarily what you should be doing because you might be going out and realizing the value column. Those are things that you do really well or that you need to do because you might be, as we, you said earlier on, the personal brand. You might be the brand, the face of the business. Therefore, you can't hire someone to go and be your face, even though you might they might be able to print out a you know, picture of your face. This is something that you need to do. And I think this gives us a really good... Um, Really good. Here's a great example of something I did this week. You know, something I've been putting off and neglecting is just getting testimonials from my clients. So I had one of my team members go out and see value doesn't mean you have to do it. It's just something that has to be prioritized. Right. That's why that's why I said do the value column last. That way you can prioritize things that other people do for you or you do yourself. I had Mm -hmm. one of my team members send out a survey to all of my clients. And it was a, you know, one out of five stars, best feedback, you know, what's life like before hiring us? What's life like afterwards? You know, like what are the main uh, things that you have us do? How could we do it better? Right. Yeah. And we sent that out and we got like 16 responses from people and they're amazing and they're going to go on my website. Right. Like a couple people even clicked the button and said, yes, I would be willing to record a video with you of the testimonial. I'm like, let's go. I was putting that off. It was probably, I guess you could say, in the in the neglected column, right? And I realized that it's valuable. So it's something that we acted on right away. So you got to identify things first, and then you act on them. What you just said there, and also something else you mentioned earlier about, you know, so often we don't feel that we have the time. Well, the things that are important to you, you'll make time. You'll find Ooh. the time. Uh, you know, you need to do that. But I've just been doing exactly what you've what you've done. It's taken a little bit of time, but that's recording because I knew that if I don't record this, my screen, get it up, and I actually use Google Site now to, to you know, add all of that. And it's, it, I'm quite proud of it actually. But if, if you don't take the time to do that, record it, you're never going to be able to, to, to you know, downsource. downsource. Yeah, downsource, downsource, yeah, downsource yeah. or even upsource. Yeah. And um, these are these are things you, you've got to start. Just get started. And I love the way, and this I think really beautifully um, brings us back to how I opened the show, which is something that you said, your future is created by what you do today. Boom. Grab your iPhone, this free screen check, you know, capture um, software that will enable you to, to video that. Just start. Start today after you've gone through that four column thing um, or the four column for the freedom plan because that's going to identify the most immediate pressing thing that you need to, to start with. Jeff, share a little bit more about how people can find out more about you, what your website is, all of that good stuff. Um, you know what? I'm so proud I just got Google verified myself. So now if you go to Google and type in Jeff J. Hunter, you'll see like all my profiles and stuff like that. Um, and of course, LinkedIn, since we're here live on LinkedIn, is a great place to connect with me. And uh, thank you for having me on the show. What I will say is um, finishing up that thought you had there about time. You know, I can't even tell you 
how many times people have used that excuse. I don't have the time. And, you know, the truth is, people, you have the time. It's just you're not prioritizing right, you know. And one of the one of my mentors shared with me something that I'll never forget, which is a story about one of the most famous singers of all time, Frank Sinatra. He says that Frank Sinatra never set up his own mic. Never. This is a guy who knew exactly what he did, did very well. He had a team of people that came in, tested the song. He never out there going test one, two, three. He never did any of that. He had an amazing team of people that he trusted and he empowered. Remember that magic word? Empowered his people to go out and set things up. And all he had to do was show up to that dang thing and sing with his golden voice. That's all he had to do. And then he was out. He didn't clean up equipment afterwards. He didn't take the money. He didn't do nothing. He showed up. He sang. He went home. That's what I want my life to be. And that's what I try to help my clients do the same thing. And by the way, just like we opened up with with that quote, you know, like (laughs) it's almost like the the cliche, the best time to start, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, but the second best time is right now. Absolutely. Right now. And, you know, when you think about the team that are available now at, and you would, you would know this because you've got an incredible team working for you, the, the, what, you know, the skilled, the skilled and knowledge and abilities that other people can bring that are located in different countries. If we relied on traditional, you have to be in the the office, we're just not able to to tap into that. And, you know, there's highly skilled, highly, highly skilled people that are just sitting there and now because of the technology that we have at our fingertips, the only, I think the only obstacle is really the obstacles that, it's in between here, but is it because there's obviously someone else, maybe one of these team members that are sitting there at the computer that can create a platform or an app or a solution yeah. um, for the and, issue. You know, on the other scale of that, because you're talking about amazing resources that are super skilled, uh, let's let's take a moment just to step back and look at the downsourcing things. I mean, I, most of my team are in the Philippines. Yeah. And most of them, the people that I've hired, they're God bless their soul. They're making like, you know, two bucks an hour uh, working at a call center somewhere, which is a slave driver. You know, they make them work mandatory weekends and things like that and overtime. And and, you know, like. I, I'm just so proud that most of my team are in the Philippines because I'm able to say, hey, look. I'd love to hire you for, let's say, three times more than you're making right now. And you don't have to commute and you can work from home in your pajamas. And I will teach you everything you need. I already have a training process, things like that. I showed you the training process. Like I already have these tools in place. You're going to be valued. You're going to be an incredible team member here. You're going to earn most of the people that work for me earn more money than anyone in their family ever has. And it doesn't take years and years of experience to learn how to become a virtual assistant, to become an executive assistant, to help coordinate emails and and, and check my emails and, and follow up on stuff and, you know, reach out to people on my behalf. 
Um, these are things that to us in the Western world and in, in America and Australia and the UK, you know, and all around, because I feel like the internet has become the giant equalizer. I hire people not based on skill. Like I told you before, I hire them off of three things. This is a great close. I hire, there's three attributes that I look into people and they're nothing that you can teach. Ooh, nothing that you can teach. You can't. The very first thing is adaptability. Are they able to learn something new quickly? And can they use the tools, AKA Google to figure things out? Adaptability Number one. Number two, work ethos. What is their work ethic like? You can tell what someone's work ethic's like by how they go through your, your application process. In my application process, we have what's called an experiential interview, which means they're actually given work. They're actually given work as an example of what they would do in the job. And we give them very limited instructions to see if they can figure it out. Yes. And we see what happens when they fail. If they have problems, we, 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 we check to see how that works. And the last thing is giving a damn. I've said that before on the show, but you can definitely test if people give a damn. And usually, again, it's tested by what happens when they fail. How someone reacts to when they fail is one of the most important critical factors. And I guarantee you it's not anyone's interview process. Guaranteed. Give them something that's very hard to figure out and see how they handle it. Yeah. Ask them a hypothetical question and then ask them about a failure that they've had in their life and how they've overcome and how they've learned from it. And it will tell you a lot about a person's work ethic, adaptability, and their give a damn factor. Yeah. I mean, that that whole aspect, I think, is so key. I remember years ago, I, I was um, speaking to one of my clients when I was in the career industry, and it all goes to this, you know, there's three key things that I call the distinction try. There's aptitude, which is, is the skill, the knowledge, all of that. There's attitude, and then there's approach. And it's the attitude and approach that ha has that someone brings to the workplace that is so key, because as you said, you can train for aptitude. There may be some roles that you need people in for the aptitude, but for the others, you know, you could have the best people or, or the best highly skilled people, but if their attitude, their give a damn, as you said, approach sucks, it's just not going to make a difference. And they'll fester in the rest of the team because I will know, tell you this. Yeah. I will tell you this because you're absolutely right. I would rather have someone who is a, a blank canvas and really cares and shows up and shows up early to the calls and really wants to sh impress you and learn than someone who's really talented and really skilled who doesn't give a damn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whose arrogance you can kind of see oozing down the screen. It's like, thank you, but no, thank you. Not a good fit. Jeff, love today's conversation. We've nearly been chatting for an hour and <laughs> I just love what you stand for. I mean, you, you know, your passion and, and when I say passion for the work that you do, I can really see is, is the passion that you have for creating environment for your team as well. And I know that that is so important uh, as business owners who, who are looking for, you know, staffing organisations that can help with the downsourcing and, and upsourcing all of that. You know, who is the leaders of those teams and do they invest? Do they care about the team? And I know for people who are watching and who are listening to the recording will certainly see that come through 
in uh, your approach and your attitude too. So thank you for the work that you're doing for creating awesome teams so that they can support uh, entrepreneurs and business owners take their vision, their mission, their message to uh, to a much grander scale. We could not do that on their own or on our own. And uh, that's great. Loved speaking with you. And thanks again for coming on the thank show. Thank you so much. This podcast is brought to you by TheInfluenceAlliance.com. Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.TheInfluenceAlliance.com forward slash podcast series. That's TheInfluenceAlliance.com forward slash podcast series. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.